0: hello and welcome to the film pulse podcast this is episode number 400 my name is adam patterson with me today we've got kevin rickstraw hey kevin
1: uh, i wish this more of a special yeah
0: uh actually this is just a, gonna be a regular episode <laughs> unfortunately i didn't really have yeah. anything major planned for 400 so
1: that sucks
0: yeah even though it is a bit of a milestone i think i mean 500 is like the, way bigger one so yeah we'll do we'll do something we'll do like a blowout we'll do a crazy blowout anyway this Uh, week yeah this week we'll be taking a look at one of our most anticipated films of the year coming to america also be going over some watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases on Beauty and blu-ray thank you so much for joining us this week please remember to review us on itunes if you get a moment that would be incredibly helpful we're still trying to coordinate with Ryan, get, get that back in swing. I, I felt like we had, a, we had a little bit of momentum there, and then it just
1: it, it's, it, it's man, gone.
0: It fizzled out so quickly. So we're, we're, we're desperately trying to coordinate with him and continue that, uh, that endeavor. So we'll, we'll, I'll probably have an update next week. So hof- hopefully we'll, we'll get back into the swing of things there. With that, I think we can jump into our review. We're talking about coming to America. I have a synopsis here. The African monarch Hakim learns he has a long lost son in the United States and must return to America to meet this unexpected heir and build a relationship with his son. This is directed by Craig Brewer. It also says John Landis
1: on IMDb. Is that correct? Why i think it's only because john landis directed the original so whenever they use some clips from the original oh movie, yeah they you feel know like what they, like, they yeah. have to put that in I'm yeah guessing. that's that must be it
0: because they do use it's not just like a couple seconds either like they they have some decent length clips in there from the original so yeah i guess that that makes sense uh, this stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Jermaine Fowler, Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, Kiki Lane, Wesley Snipes, James Earl Jones, uh, John Amos is in there, uh, many many others. Great cast,
1: everybody, really.
0: Yeah, really, really solid cast. I mean, even uh, even Louis Anderson comes comes back, <laughs> which I, I freaking loved that they brought him back. I thought that was so funny. So we'll start with you, Kevin. What did, what were your initial impressions of coming
1: to America? This is obviously anticipated list, both of us. Uh, we were pretty excited for this. And I guess I didn't really like think it through. I just kind of got excited, <laughs> mostly because of the original movie, uh, the fact that a, a ton of people were coming back. You're coming off the heels of the Dolomite is my name with Eddie Murphy and Craig Brewer. So, you know, things are looking good. And within like the first like five minutes of this movie where they're kind of like getting you caught up to speed, you know, showing them in Simunda and everything there. It kind of hit me where I was like, shit, how, like, how are they going to make a seat? Like, what are they going to (laughs) do? I didn't think of that. Like, what is the point of this movie? And, uh, what that turned out to be was not good at all. It's just really bad. It is. Uh, it's tremendously bad. It is tremendously bad. Which I was not. Uh, I'm just kind of confused. I wasn't emotionally prepared for it being as bad as it was because, yeah, like I knew it wasn't going to be good, right. but at the same time, wow, it's it's a lot worse than you
0: think that it would be. That's for sure. Yeah, like I I, yeah. I was excited for it. As I said at the top of the show, like this was on both of our anticipated lists we were we were really amped up on it and i think that we all like both of us had i think realistic expectations of it i don't think that we thought it was going to be the most amazing movie of the year or anything like that but yeah. as you said having craig brewer helm this having the whole cast return i thought okay well at least it's going to be worth you know some laughs and and lots of like fun callbacks and stuff to the original. And, and the thing is like, there's a million callbacks in this movie, but they're all like pretty lazy and they aren't very clever. And everything about this movie feels so messy. Everything. It's just, it's a mess. This movie is an absolute freaking mess. Like they had no idea what they were doing with the script in this movie there's so many like dangling plot threads and stuff that just don't go anywhere. The whole thing, like one of the big elements of this movie is the fact that you have Wesley Snipes as general Izzy, who is the dictator or president or whatever general, this guy who runs this, this neighboring country. And he's about to like, stage a coup I guess of, of Zamunda and the way that that gets resolved is yeah. <laughs> hilariously awful like uh, unbelievably awful how that turns out Like, just I, I can't just even I, like, I, can't, I can't even believe
1: they <laughs> just shut it down, down. they're like okay we have to end this how do we end it and someone just suggested we we'll how about we just end it like we just stop and they're like yeah that's good enough and that's it
0: it it's it, yeah it's ridiculous
1: utterly ridiculous uh, it's just it's so bad it, and i like the the one of the things that gets me uh i mean pretty much the biggest thing is hey it's not funny which is really heartbreaking there's not a whole lot of laughs in here and Furthermore, what makes it even worse is it honestly doesn't feel like it's trying to be funny at all. (laughs) No. There's like no attempts at humor, really. It doesn't feel like. I mean, unless you count some of the really lazy ones sprinkled throughout. But most of it is just, oh my goodness yeah there's just, there's
0: a there's a joke there's a gag where a lion farts that's that's where we're at in this movie. There's a fart joke yeah. involving a lion
1: yeah yeah the
0: thing is Which, i th- I think <laughs> the biggest disappointment with this movie is the the wasted potential I think that the the potential was here for a a really great sequel, even though you know typically when you when you make a sequel that's so that's this long, this far removed from the original that it's, it's always a gamble. It's always a risk. Um, and I don't think anybody had any kind of preconceived notions that this would live up to the original. But I think that if you look at like bill and Ted three, for instance, which came out last year, th- that movie, I think does a really great job of honoring the original two movies while propelling the story and adding s- adding a lot of depth to the characters and sort of the universe that it takes place in and i think that you had the opportunity to do that with this movie as well and they just didn't do it like there's not really any there's no really growth to the characters or anything i mean like eddie murphy sort of has an arc in this but not not really, and even the characters, the new characters that they introduce, like Jermaine Fowler's character, like, even he doesn't really have much of an arc. I thought that, that all of the character work was just so weak, which is really disappointing, because you have a roster of actors in here that are just, you know, at all, all at the top of their game, pretty much. I mean, like, Tracy Morgan, it, even though I didn't find the movie to be very funny, you have a lot of funny people in here. So I laughed at, you know, stuff that Tracy Morgan said just because it's Tracy Morgan. And I laugh at almost everything he says.
1: Yeah. And I think that that was a part of it for me too, is like after watching this movie, like through most of it, I was just like, whatever, this isn't, this isn't good. It's like, this is not a good movie. I can't wait for it to be over. It's not awful, but whatever. And then, you know, at, you know in, in the twilight of watching the movie, you know, the last, you know, couple hours afterwards, I'm like, eh, you know, it was. Eh. And I think that that just comes down to me enjoying these people so much that I was like, eh, it wasn't that bad. I like spending time with these people because I like them as as actors. But then once I got out of that, you know, I got further out from it. I was like, oh, you know what? That that was actually just really, really terrible. Yeah, the, the
0: the thing is, when you when you have a, a movie like that where there's n- the only really strong element is the actors in it, and not necessarily the material they're working with. I think that that creates a, a generally forgettable movie, and I think that this movie is incredibly forgettable. I think that all of the the parts that I laughed, and I never, I don't, I don't think that I laughed any there there weren't any hearty laughs coming out of me no, during this movie no. there, there were a couple chortles, some snickers, some you know maybe maybe a couple like forced <laughs> uh you know like something like that but like the thing is like I don't remember any of those moments i don't no, I can't I don't, yeah i can't <laughs> I can't tell their origin yeah, I can't tell you any of the specific moments that I thought were funny, and I think that that's It's probably because it was, you know, some throwaway line from, you know, Leslie Jones or, or or Leslie Snipes, you know, walking goofy or whatever, like something like that,
1: where that's what I thought, you know, worked, but yeah, mm. it's just, it's, it's not funny. It doesn't even really feel like they're trying to be funny, which is just a really odd choice. Yeah. Like, if you're gonna make this sequel, like, don't you think that you would try to be funny uh, occasionally? And also, I, there's a part of me that was like, all of the, the beginning stages of this, everything that comes out, just, it felt like really, really mean spirited, in a way that just doesn't work, nowadays. Where like the whole, like the him finding about out about his bastard son, in Queens, and just that whole story with Leslie Jones, just felt like, really, that's, that's what you're going to use? That's what you came up with to kickstart the need for this sequel. It just, you know, it gets off on the wrong foot, and then it doesn't make up for it at all throughout from that point on, and it has a farting line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just... Oh, my God. And there's that early stage where they just kept, like, you know, they're throwing the funeral. And I was like, oh, God, they're just going to introduce people from, you know, years ago. Because they introduced, like, how many musical acts? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: and <laughs> Vogue and salt and pepa I like that. I thought that was kind of funny. I know, but if, if,
1: for there was a moment there where I was like, that's all this is going to be. It's just going to be introducing things from, you know, years and years and years ago. Like, I don't think that's that's not, that's not an excuse to make a movie. Please do something else.
0: Yeah, there were a a surprisingly large number of, like, dance and music numbers in this, which almost felt like filler at times. Like, after the second or third one, you're just like, uh...
1: Which, I mean, good job to all those people. Like, the... The costuming looks great. Sure. Yeah, I agree. The choreography looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know? But, yeah, it just seemed like he pushed a lot of, you know, a lot of the responsibility onto those people. And I'm pretty sure they weren't, you know, they weren't the ones that came up with the idea of having a, a sequel to Coming to America from 1988.
0: Well, I mean, the, th- the thing that's even more disappointing is that I think that, I think that the the overall narrative could have been an interesting one to explore because you have this sort of role. Like, you know, he, he goes back to America, finds Jermaine Fowler, who's his, his son, and then brings him back. And it's sort of like a reverse. It's still a fish out of water, but it's sort of like the reverse where you have this guy from Queens and he's in Zamunda learning about the different, you know, cultural things over there. So you have, I think that it's it's set up for a funny interesting movie that also pays homage to the original but the thing is like it's so poorly it's so poorly executed like the editing is so bad and like just the 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 ramshackle nature of the script I think ends up undoing any any kind of semblance of interesting uh, narrative threads that that might have come of this story. Yeah. Yeah. So there it is. Episode number 400, and <laughs> we started off with a very disappointing review of Coming to America. Yeah. Yeah, this
1: is just... This is just all around bad. Except for the me. You know? Everything involved with that, you know, the sets the wardrobes that all looks great sure everything else is just god awful yep
0: yep i was uh, when i was adding this to my my list my 2021 list i realized that there were like two movies that i thought were good <laughs> that came out this year so far it's been such a rough start to the year
1: yeah it, it's it's definitely been uh it's definitely been difficult slim pickings Hmm.
0: All right. Well, there you have it. That is coming to America. That is available on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can check it out there. Although I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. You, especially if, you, if you're a big fan like we are of the original one. Just maybe cherish those memories of the original well, one.
1: Plus, the original one is on Amazon Prime as well. So if, if you're itching to see coming to America just watch the one from 1988 on Amazon Prime. There you have it. Let's go ahead and give it a score. Oh, man. I'm at like
0: a... I did like the barber scene. Like, all the barbers I thought were great. (laughs) I still like like them. Uh, I'm at like a two and a half or three on this one.
1: Okay. I'm at a one.
0: Oof. Wow.
1: (laughs) It's just no redeeming qualities to me, really. Yeah, that is, that is rough.
0: All right, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, I'm not sure whose turn it is, so we'll start with you. Kevin, what do you got?
1: I forgot to talk about Nomadland. Oh. Last weekend, Nomadland. Big big Golden Globe winner. I got to, I got to catch up with this one because it's on Hulu now. Yep. Hulu. Look out. Uh I didn't enjoy this as much as I thought I would. I thought I, you know, from everything else that I've seen from Chloe Zhao, I thought that this was just going to knock me over, knock my socks off. And for the most part it did. The only thing that I had I had issues with is it it feels like two films that just don't come together naturally. I think everything that involves Francis McDormand um interacting with all of the like the non-actors i thought all of that worked really well it's just everything with david strathairn like that whole through line just felt out of place and unnecessary and it felt like it just kept taking us away from what was at the core of the, you know like the movie and it felt like this just kept pulling us away from it and i just i didn't like it i didn't like the david Strathairn stuff not a fan of the Strathairn. No, it just felt unnecessary and really forced. Especially when she like goes out of her way to like meet up with them later, and it's just like this is not working for me. We're dedicating too much time to this. Hmm. Let's get back. Let's get back to the core of the movie here. All right. I still liked it. I just I feel like it would be in a much stronger movie without the David Strathairn stuff, or if that stuff was weaved in. A little bit more organically, I think it would have it would have worked worked better for me. Would have been stronger. Okay.
0: Yeah, I I, uh, I like Nomad Land a lot. So check it out on Hulu. Hulu. Uh, I saw Judas in the Black Messiah. Oh, look at you! This is the the one from Shaka King. This is on HBO Max, and it's the story of it's a biopic about Fred Hampton who, if you're not familiar, was the uh, deputy chairman of the Black Panther Party. And he was um, assassinated. And I didn't know... I knew basic, like, kind of surface-level details about Fred Hampton. Didn't didn't know, like, the whole story or anything like that. I knew the whole, like, FBI angle, the informant angle. I knew about Mm -hmm. that, but... There, there were just a lot of details that I wasn't super familiar with, so I was really excited going into this to to learn more about that. And uh, this movie is great. You have Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya in probably their best roles yet. I mean, just crushing it on every uh, every level. Daniel Kaluuya just won a Golden Globe for his performance in this in this movie. Uh, Jesse Plemons is in there as this uh, FBI agent who. It's like you kind of like him. He seems like a good guy. But at the same time, he's still manipulating the Keith Stanfield. And I think overall, this is a really, really great movie. It's uh, exquisitely shot. It looks great. Um, Really great performances in there. And it's surprisingly, I mean, this is obviously a movie that has a lot of violence surrounding it but what i was kind of surprised of was that they showed a lot of that violence like there's like full-on shootouts in this movie and stuff like that which is just not something i was really expecting hmm. um but yeah it's a it's a really powerful movie it's it's obviously insanely tragic but i think that the i think the message that fred hampton had in the change that he helped perpetuate we can still feel that sort of reverberating throughout society today so i think that judas and the black messiah is a, is an absolute must see for 2021 and it's currently my top movie for 2021
1: as well Ooh. yeah the i like i was excited for this movie and then i found out afterwards that it's co-written by the lucas brothers which i had no idea I didn't know that either. Yes, the Lucas Brothers, really. Lucas Brothers Moving Company. I
0: I see it now on the. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I see that now here on the. Well, I mean that would explain a lot because those guys are very talented writers, and this movie which has yeah. some really incredible dialogue in it. So,
1: which I just want to take this opportunity to say, Lucas Brothers Moving Company, just one of the most underrated shows. Just fucking incredible. Uh, I love that. show great. so goddamn much. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought that that show was incredible.
0: It's funny. <laughs> there, there is there is some humor in this movie. It's not all like super
1: dour and serious, but yeah, uh, I watched a ghost waits, which is on the, the arrow player. I've been.
0: Yeah, I, this is on my list. I haven't got, had a chance to check this out yet, but
1: this was on my list. So, yeah, this is uh, 2020 Adam Stovall. Uh, it is, it's like a haunted house movie slash romantic comedy type deal, indie, horror, whatever you want to call it. It's a, it's a lot of different things mashed up into one. Uh, first off, it's super low budget, super indie. It's black and white, like the makeup is not that great. Some of the the camera work is not that great. Like you can feel, you can feel the quality level. Um, I think for the most part, I didn't mind it. It kind of worked in the film's favor, kind of gave it a, a, a charm to it. But it's, I just don't know if he was able to marry all of these different things together. I think it starts out really, really strong where there's this, what she's known as is a spectral agent. And she's assigned to this house, and it's really simple. Her job is just get people to leave the house. No one's allowed to stay in the house. That's her job as a ghost. And this guy comes in, he just comes in after everyone leaves. He works for the landlord, he essentially just cleans up the house, fixes, you know, checks everything, and then gets the house ready for the next set of tenants. That's it. Except he doesn't have a place to stay at the moment because his house is being fumigated. So he decides to stay there. So that's kind of, he becomes a tenant of the house and he has to leave, except she can't get him to leave because he has work to do. So it becomes a whole thing. The The horror elements, there's, they're not that strong, to be honest. Uh, there's some tricky stuff that's like somewhat charming, I guess. Um, the comedy, it kind of works, it kind of doesn't like the relationship stuff, once they like start to get to know each other. and it just takes a really odd turn at the end, some some choices that are made that just did not work for me at all. like I was I was pretty much on board the whole way until the end, where the you know everything kind of develops and culminates into this this decision being made that just I was like absolutely not no. You just, you just undone all the goodwill that I had for this movie, which wasn't that much to begin with, but just really threw that shit out the window. So I, mm. to me, it's, I can't necessarily recommend it, but at the same time, it is, it is slightly different enough that you might get something out of it, but it just it didn't really work for me. That's, un- that's unfortunate.
0: I think this is a good opportunity to plug Arrow because they uh, they have some really interesting things on there. I th- I feel like they, they have do. they have like a lot of these sort of movies like that where they're like these like kind of low low budget, more like art house horror titles like that. And the deeper you dig, I think is a good example. They have a movie on here called The Devil's Asshole. <laughs> the Devil's Asshole.
1: They <laughs> got all sorts of stuff on there.
0: Uh, yeah, they, they have some they just added, just this past weekend, they added the stylist, which we covered, uh, oh yeah, several months ago on, on this show, and that's that's, I think, worth checking out as well. So they're, they're, they've been adding a lot of new, like original content on there as well as filling out their backlog of, of stuff. The other cool thing that yeah. they do. I'm sure that there's other services that do this. I, I think that maybe, um, I don't know if the Criterion, I think Criterion Channel does this, where
1: they add the bonus features. Yes. And it, the, it, and I'm glad you brought that up. The interesting thing is, is not only do they have like commentaries and bonus features and stuff like that, but if you have the Criterion Channel, uh, Arrow Player is set up the exact same way. It's the exact same layout, everything. I think it's even the same video player. Like it, it looks mm. exactly like Criterion Channel. It's just Arrow instead. There must be some sort
0: of company that does like sort yeah. of this this like white label VOD thing, and they both of them signed up for it. Yeah, definitely check out Arrow. It's it's totally worth it. I think I saw Monster Hunter. This is directed by Paul W S Anderson. This is one of the, this is the one that like just sort of they just kind of dumped it into theaters during the during the pandemic and they like didn't bother they were like you know we're not even going to bother with a VOD release of this every movie is like you know not not hitting theaters this, this dropped in December most theaters are still closed at this point and they were just like nope, monster hunter is going to theaters so anyway it's out now and VOD and on Blu-ray and uh it's it's garbage it's it's your typical Paul W.S. Anderson video game adaptation this is obviously based on the Monster Hunter series of of games which I have a little bit of familiarity with but I never was never super into them yeah and it stars Mila Jovovich unsurprisingly and she is a she's a lieutenant in the army and they get transported, they, they hit they go through this like rift and they get transported into another world, and it's this monster hunter world where there's all these giant giant monsters that they have to fight. And there's some fun moments to it. It's it it knows exactly what it is. I, I don't feel like it takes itself too seriously. I think that if you had any kind of if you can gleam any kind of like entertainment value out of all of the resident evil movies then you could probably enjoy some moments of this as long as you know going into it that it's not going to be very good uh there were there were a couple fun fight scenes and if you're a fan of the monster hunter series there's a lot of you know references to to that in here but just you know (laughs) it's garbage but it was kind of a fun fun garbage
1: how are the monsters? They're
0: cool. I mean, they're, they they uh, they are pulled from the games. So a lot of the monsters that are in this are the same ones from the games. I wish that they added more of them. That's that's like my one of my gripes about about this is that they only fight like maybe three or four of them, mm. and so I I guess I would just like to see some more of them, but. The monsters... I mean, the the effects work is decent. Like, it's not great, but it's not horrible either. And there are some kind of fun moments. The way that they fight the monsters is very similar to how you do it in the games. So, I mean, you could tell that that Paul W.S. Anderson worked with either... Maybe he played the games himself, or he worked with people who had a lot of familiarity with the games... The weapons and stuff, the, the costuming, it, it, it's all sort of lifted directly from the game. The games. Have you ever played a Monster Hunter game?
1: I have not, no.
0: The, the premise is that you're... It's very thin as far as plot. And you, basically, you're a Monster Hunter. You go out, and they're like giant. That's the thing. Like They're really big. And, and so the fights take a very long time. And yeah. you have to yeah. plan them out, and you have to use... A lot of different strategies to bring them down and then after you kill one of the monsters you use its parts basically to create new things that will help you fight bigger and badder monsters so you
1: yeah that's sounds, that sounds pretty great
0: yeah like you use the, like if you fight something that that's, has scales you would use those scales to make yourself some armor so that you can then fight another thing that might spit acid or something and those scales will protect you from that acid. It, they try to follow that in the movie. And, you know, it, there's varying degrees of success in that. But the games are pretty fun. Got a couple other things here that I'll mention briefly. I saw Wrong Turn. This is the, in the new remake of Wrong Turn. Now, why this movie needed to get a remake, I have no idea. I feel like they're still making... Wrong Turn movies like the original franchise is still making movies. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why we needed a Wrong Turn remake and I actually question if this was even meant to be a Wrong Turn remake. Okay. I'm not I'm not sure it is because when you see Wrong Turn 2021, uh it has nothing to do with the original like it doesn't feel like a remake or a reboot or anything. It's like completely different than the you know wrong turn is a slasher movie it's it's like it, the original one came out in 2003 it's a throwback to the the slasher movie and i just don't know why this one exists it turns out that so this one it, it involves uh this one's bizarre It involves a group of people who decide that it's sort of like the village, like that movie, the village, Mm -hmm. where it's a, it's about a group of people who decide that they don't want to live in society. So they all go out into the, they, they believe that America is crumbling and that society is crumbling so that they so they decide to go and live in the woods and create their own society and yeah. and these this group of 20 <laughs> somethings end up stumbling onto their their land and get terrorized by them it has nothing to do with the wrong turn like the original one there's no even similarities to it it's it's almost like they were like hey you know remember that movie midsummer like that was pretty successful let's let's take that and like kind of put it into the the wrong turn universe or something. It's just really really bizarre. Now the weird thing is if you take the whole wrong turn reboot aspect out of it and look at this as like its own thing it's not that bad. Like the, the cinematography is pretty solid in it and there's some pretty creepy moments. There's a lot of head crushing in this which is another reason that I think it seems like they're trying to to capitalize on the popularity of, of uh, Midsummer, But anyway, uh, it's not great overall. So can't, can't really recommend the Wrong Turn remake. It's entertaining. It's dumb fun, but overall, eh, not really. Uh, the last one that I'll mention is Lucky. This is directed by Natasha Kermani. This is on Shudder right now, came out on Shudder on Thursday, I believe. It's uh, written in stars, Bria Grant. And this is the one that I mentioned last week about a, a couple who, every, um, every night, a masked killer tries to murder them, and every night they have to kill this, this killer. And it just happens over and over again. Interesting concept. Uh, I think that it falters in some places. I think that the, the, the use of metaphor on display here is a bit overt, especially towards the end. Um, but that being said, I liked, I liked where it was going. I liked the sort of what this movie was exploring And I thought that the way that they were look, the way that they were exploring it was, uh, you know, putting it in the guise of this faceless man who is trying to kill this woman every night, and then the the way that other male characters interact Uh. with her, how they interact with her, you know, throughout her. Per day is uh, I thought that, that was kind of interesting. So uh, I'll give Lucky a light recommend. I think that there were some problems with it, but overall I thought that it was uh, it was pretty entertaining. So right. give it a look if you have Shutter. Get
1: that Shutter.
0: All right, let's take a look at some VOD releases, shall we? Do it on the ninth, we have The Winter Lake. This looks like some oh. kind of thriller. When Holly's dark secret is accidentally uncovered by her new, emotionally unstable neighbor, Tom, they are pulled into a violent confrontation with her father, who will do anything to keep this secret hidden. Mm. Mm.
1: Also on the ninth,
0: we have Adverse, which is with uh, Mickey Rourke, from the looks of it. Mickey Rourke Thomas Nicholas, Lou Diamond Phillips, Sean Astin. All right. Wow. Wowza. All star lineup there. We have The Canyon Lands. This is a low budget horror movie from the looks of it. We have Blood on the Crown. This is a very strange looking war movie with Harvey Keitel. Doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe the way this movie looks. Uh, we have... And then on the 11th, we have Stay Out of the Attic. This is going to be on Shudder. This is about a diverse group of ex-cons turned movers. Who, uh-huh. they're, they're convinced by their creepy client to pull an all-nighter for a generous pay bump, but as the night progresses, they slowly uncover... The horrors that exist inside oh. this old Victorian mansion, including oh. booby traps, human experimentation, Nazi monsters, and more. Yeah, I'll be checking that out. Why not?
1: Yes, yeah, that actually sounds pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the 12th, Friday, we have Trust. Uh, this is a... Looks like an erotic thriller. Some We have Long Live Rock, Celebrate the Chaos, which is a rock doc. I think it's just about, like, just general rock music. (laughs) (laughs) It's an extremely broad (laughs) documentary. It's like the, like the, the most broad documentary. It features interviews with members of Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Slipknot, Korn, Avenged Sevenfold... Rob Zombie, Five Finger Death Punch, Rage Against the Machine, Greta Van Fleet, and Hailstorm. Hailstorm, huh? Yeah. Wow. So, Celebrate the Chaos this Friday, sponsored by (laughs) Monster Energy. (laughs) Rock and roll.
1: (laughs) Oh, God.
0: Uh, Let's see. We also have Yes Day. This is a family film that's going to be on Netflix. We got Paper Lives. This is also on Netflix. We got Come True. This is a uh, sci-fi sci-fi uh, thriller. Nice. This is probably what we'll be covering next week. Yes. We have Dutch. This is uh looks like a crime thriller. The funny thing about this one is the the thumbnail for the trailer you know how, like, when you, when you post a YouTube video, it, like, auto-generates a thumbnail unless you specify that it should mm-hmm. be something else? Well, the thumbnail that it generated and that I guess they decided to use is, like, this glitched-out still <laughs> from the movie. And the guy's teeth are, like, in the side of his face. <laughs> yes. It's so funny-looking. Uh, anyway... Uh, We also have Cherry. This is going to be on Apple TV. Speaking of glitches, if you remember the whole Cherry debacle where Variety posted the still image of the GIF
1: for
0: for the poster, and everybody was like, what the hell is going on with this movie and the poster? And it was all because Variety are idiots, I guess. Not generally, just in that one regard. I don't mean to call people a variety idiots. Uh, th- that's about it for VOD. Let's take a look at what we have on Blu-ray this week. We got Dread in 4K coming out. This is the 2012 one. I've been meaning to rewatch this. I really enjoyed the 2012 Dread with Carl Urban. Awesome movie. We got Stopper, My Mom Will Shoot from 1992 starring Sylvester Stallone. And uh and uh, Estelle Betty. Getty? Sorry. Betty. <laughs> uh, this is one of these uh, VHS things where they make the Blu ray case look like a VHS that Mill Creek Entertainment's been putting out. Oh, I gotcha. We have Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. We got The Forest from 1982. Daddy's Gone a Hunting. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, we have the, the Dam Busters from 1955. The Dam Busters. We Busting got dams. Gold Diggers. The Secret of Bear Mountain from 1995. Holy cow. I just remembered the existence of this movie starring Anna Chomsky and Christina Ricci. Wow. Yeah. That's another Mill Creek Entertainment one. Uh, the VHS type thing. Uh, we have the Choir Boys from 1977, Queens of Evil from 1970. There's a My Girl pack coming out that has My Girl 1 and 2 in it. Uh, I mean, they probably should have stopped after the first one, honestly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> My Girl extended <Standard> universe. <laughs> Why not?
0: Why not make it a trilogy? Why not make it the My Girl trilogy? They should make a new one and catch up with the character now. Yeah you what's, know what's
1: been going on what's your life
0: yeah anna Chomsky's still still working she was great on V. bring it bring it back do it that's a that's a million dollar idea right there my girl three oh, okay. catch up with her now when she's in her late 30s do it i don't
1: know about a million dollar idea. i mean that's a do you,
0: that is a you know dollar. that that's a million dollar idea come on kevin we got Panic Beats from 1983. Didn't we talk about this like five times? I feel like we keep coming back to Panic Beats.
1: This is the new
0: one. Maybe it got delayed or something? Because I actually looked for this. I remember when we talked about this weeks ago. Yeah. When it was on the, the, the Blu-ray list, I looked for it that Tuesday and I couldn't find it. So, maybe it got delayed or something. Oh, no. But I'm going to look this week and hope because I really want to see Panic Beats. Gorillas in the Mist from 1988. That's another Mill Creek release.
1: Where is Mill Creek getting all this money?
0: I don't know. But guess what? We got another one: The Babe from 1992. It's like Mill Creek is deciding to release all of the movies from my childhood. I loved The Babe, Incredible. the one with John Goodman. <laughs> now, if they release King Ralph, then we'll be, then we'll be talking.
1: Incredible.
0: Let's see. We got. Little Fugitive, the collection. Little Fugitive, the collected films of Morris and... Morris Engel and Ruth Orkin.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm not familiar with them. Uh, We got Blood Ceremony from 1973. Renipal from last year. We got The Reason I Jump. Russian Raid. Ongaku, R Sound. That's the animated uh, Japanese film. Looks... Uh, pretty good. Heard good things. I think we have a review for this up on the site. Then the original 1958 Dunkirk. Uh, let's see. Eh, that's about it. What about criterions this week?
1: We got one. That's Tukibuki. 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 I have no idea if that's how you pronounce it. I just, that's what I went with. Of course, this is the, the famous movie from Jibbo Diop and uh so yeah getting that one blu-ray nice all right i still have not seen this and i don't know why like it's like when my most wanted to see movie and now that i have an opportunity to see it i'm just like i'll do it later (laughs) i don't know why i always do that
0: Mm. i there's some things i do that with like like if i if i order a like something and i'm waiting for it in the mail and then it arrives i put off like opening it because there's that sort of that like delayed gratification yeah. or something where you where it's like the anticip- the anticipation for getting the item or seeing the movie is almost more exciting than the actual
1: yeah because like, with this movie i feel like it's guaranteed i'm gonna love it like, I'm absolutely going to love it. It's going to be one of my favorite films. So I'm, like, saving it for, like, this special time. Mm. Yeah, I get you. I feel you.
0: All right. Well, I guess uh, circle, circle back if you, if you see it and we'll t- talk about it on the show.
1: <laughs> try to make myself do it. Just do it.
0: I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulsenet and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be super helpful. For Kevin Rickstraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.